So we're going to read from Exodus 20, verses 1 through 4, or 1 through 3, excuse me, and then verse 16. So, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Verse 16. You shall not bear fault witness against your neighbor. I, uh, I don't know if it's just being away for a week or what, but um, the energy uh, in worship today is just awesome, isn't it? It is just so good, uh, so good to be together, and uh, so good to see so many of you here. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the chance to be before your word. I thank you for the power it has to transform us. God, we know um, that apart from your saving power, our hearts are asleep. They are worse than that. They're dead. And so, God, we are dependent upon the Spirit at work in our hearts to bring us to life, to bring us to new life, to wake us up every day. Uh, to the truth, uh, to the glory of who you are. God, I pray that even now as your word is proclaimed, uh, that your spirit would be alive and at work in us to bring us to life and to transform us, uh, to be more in the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen. In 2006, there was a judge in Australia by the name of Marcus uh, Einfeld, Einfeld, there we go, I practiced that, Einfeld, and he got a very minor speeding ticket. It was caught by one of those uh, cameras that, that catches cars kind of automatically. He was going 60 kilometers per hour in, an, in a zone that's 50 kilometers per hour, so translated, he's about six miles an hour over the speed limit. Very minor, right? But according to the system, whatever, he owed a, a $77 fine for that speeding ticket. Well, he was a judge and kind of, you know, an important guy in the society. And he thought, I, I don't want to pay this $77. So he uh, appeared on August 7, 2006. He came to the Downing Center local court and he gave evidence under oath that his uh, friend, an, an old friend of his named Professor Teresa Bannon, was, had been visiting him from the United States and was driving his car that day. Therefore, he should not have to pay this fine. And so they, they released him and said, yeah, you're right. Okay, it wasn't you. We're not going to send this ticket to the United States and make somebody else pay this. It's fine. But that was a lie. There was a problem with that story. And uh, it was more than just it was a lie. It was not a very good lie. Because just uh, within, the, within a couple days or so of that uh, happening, a tabloid reporter caught news of what was going on and did a little bit of digging and realized that this, so, you know, this, this uh, professor, Professor... Teresa Brennan did used to be a professor in the United States and was a friend of him, but he, uh, this professor, this lady, had passed away three years prior to the day that she was supposedly driving the judge's car. And so uh, the police opened an investigation into whether the judge had committed perjury, lying under oath, lying in court. There's a judge under, under investigation. So later that month, that judge, Judge Einfeld, uh, submitted a 20-page statement to the court explaining that they, had, they were looking at the wrong Teresa Brennan. There was a different Teresa Brennan back in the United States. Long, elaborate story about, about what was going on, but was also untrue. It was a complete cover-up for 20 pages. After a lengthy investigation, March 29th of the next year, 2007, Judge Einfeld was arrested. And after a lengthy court dealing, he eventually pleaded guilty to two things. One, making a false statement under oath, the original 
uh, time that he showed up to the court and tried to get out of the $77 ticket. And then he had to plead guilty to also attempting to pervert the course of justice for his 20-page cover-up story. He served two years in prison. <laughs> two years in prison. Not for getting out, not for the lack of paying $77, but because he lied and then lied to cover up a lie. Uh, the court system in any just society, I guess, any, any nation, is, is about seeking the truth. And it's so ironic, this judge who was serving in the court system, perverted, twisted the truth, lied, and then had to pay the penalty for it. A court system may be upset about uh, an unpaid parking ticket or unpaid speeding ticket, but they're even more concerned. It's an even bigger deal that somebody's not telling the truth. We need honesty and not just in the court of law, right? We are people who, who we need honesty. We need honesty for any kind of relationship to work. One of the foundational pieces of any relationship, whether it be a marriage, whether it be parents to children, employer to employee, friend, co-worker, co-leaders of anything, if we don't have trust, we don't have that foundational element, the relationship is going to struggle at best, if not just completely dissolve all together. For any relationship to work, it has to be founded on trust. A functional, working, healthy relationship depends on honesty between both parties. And many of us, I would say, maybe most of us, have experience in relationships where there hasn't been honesty, where there's been dishonesty, where lies have been told and it makes it very hard to continue and very hard to rebuild and regain trust. You can regain lost money, lost keys, lost possessions a lot faster then you can regain lost trust. We all had experience with other people who've been dishonest to us. But unfortunately, if we're honest, we also struggle to be honest sometimes, don't we? The honest truth is that it's not just them that are dishonest, it can be us. Do you, and answer, think about honestly, do you always tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? That's the high call of the ninth commandment that we come to today. Exodus 20, 16 again says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We're nearing the end here of our series through the Ten Commandments, so we come to number nine today. And these, these ten laws, these ten commands, are a gracious gift from God to us. Many times people look at the Old Testament, they look at the, the law in particular, and say it's just you know the way it was back then, and we just kind of think of it as as a killjoy, a buzzkill. But these are gifts from God for us to understand and know God better and better relate to one another, better love God and better love our neighbor. We, nobody wants to be uh, considered a liar. None of us think of ourselves. We're not going to label ourselves that way. But in reality, telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth can be pretty hard sometimes. It, it can be challenging. We can be tempted to kind of just eh, make a little eh, fudge here one way or the other and find ourselves telling an, an untruth, telling a lie. Sometimes it's easier just to, to leave something out, you know, just to skip over. Hey, honey, uh, I went to the store and got the, the clothes for the kids like you told me to do, and I bought myself some shoes, you know, or we just kind of leave that out. Uh, sometimes we're eager, uh, we're so eager for something to be true, you know. Hey, I, man, this, this article I saw online, it was exactly what I've been thinking the whole time, so I'm not going to do my homework to figure out it's really true. I'll just push the share button. 
You know, that's a lot easier to do. Uh, lies are often juicier. They're more interesting. They draw attention. Uh, and so we can say things like, hey, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? And we don't really do our homework to find out whether it's true. We just spread it, and it keeps going. Maybe we embellish, stretch the truth. Hey, boss, yeah, this is what I've been doing. Yeah, this is, this is all the things I've accomplished, you know. Um, whatever else it may be, we may come with all kinds of ways. If something's really bad, we'll just flat out deny it. Did you fill in the blank? Did you steal this? Did, were you unfaithful? Were you whatever? We just said no. Flat out, flat out lies. We can come with all kinds of creative ways to lie. We are not always the best at telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. This morning, I hope we can take a step toward honesty. I hope we can take a step toward saying this, this command, though written thousands of years ago, still applies to us and is good for us. It is good for our souls. It's good for our relationships with people. It's good for our relationship with God. We want to be people of honesty. We want to be people of the truth. So how do we take a step that way? How do we take a step toward being obedient to being people who obey this command? One step we've, we've done through many of these commands is to ask the why question. Why, why is this commandment here? Why would God have given this to us? Why is this make the top 10 list? Why is this important to God and important to us? In any given situation, when we're wrestling with, am, am I going to tell the truth or not? Am I going to stretch it? Am I going to embellish it? Am I going to tell the truth or not? One, one helpful thing to remember about this command is this. Telling the truth is how we love our neighbors with our words. Telling the truth is how we love our neighbor with our words. Honesty is about more than just what we may or may not get away with. Honesty is about love. And probably those two words are not ones you would immediately connect together. You would think of honesty not, not as a form of love, but it absolutely is. When we are honest to somebody, it is a way of showing them love. And we can see that from the structure of this, the Ten Commandments. If you've been here, we've pointed out the first four commands were primarily about loving God. There's, you should have no other gods before me. You should not make a, a carved image and bow down to it. You should honor God's name. You should honor the Sabbath. Those are all about loving God. We said the fifth commandment was kind of a hinge where it's about both God and neighbor. We honor our parents. And then six through ten are about loving our neighbor, about how we as people honor God by loving the people around us. So don't murder is number six, seven's adultery, eight is stealing, nine today about lies, and ten next week about coveting. These are about the way we relate to other people and how we show love to them. And so honesty is a form of love, love for our neighbor. We want to be truthful, honest people. And we have to realize that more is at stake than we often realize. What kind of people are we going to be? Are we going to be honest people or are we going to be liars? Will we love our neighbor or will we hate them? Maybe those are stark words. Yeah, of course I don't hate my neighbor. Of course I'm not a liar. But if we're not telling the truth, then that's the case. The loving thing to do is to tell the truth, sometimes even when it doesn't quite feel that way. Lives may feel good in the moment. They may feel more gentle in the moment. Or they may feel more convenient in the moment. But it's a form of hate. It's a form of not loving our neighbor. Lies are less loving than the truth. Loving your neighbor is very clear as it's given here in the ninth commandment. It says you should not bear false witness against your neighbor, against your neighbor. So this is a picture of, the, of a courtroom. And it's about how are you going to interact with your neighbor, with somebody that's, that's around you, somebody that's a brother or sister, somebody who's another person created in the image of God. Are you going to respect them and love them or are you going to hate them? 
This picture of, of a courtroom is somebody's on trial and a witness has been called. A claim has been made about an action that they took. And so the witness is on the stand and the question is, are you going to tell the truth or are you going to lie? Is this going to be a true witness or a false witness? This was especially important in the ancient world because there was no video evidence. There was no DNA evidence. There were no hair samples collected and tested. There were no audio recordings. There were none of those things. And so basically all you had was maybe a weapon, I guess, or something. But you had evidence, uh, eyewitness testimony. That's all you had. It's still important today and all the more important back then. Being a true witness and not a false witness could be a matter of life and death. People's life could be taken if a fa enough false witnesses get together to say something about them. That happens over and over again in the Bible. One example is uh, King Ahab. He wanted a field that belonged to a man named Nabal, uh, Naboth uh, who wouldn't sell it. And so the king's wife, Jezebel, figured out a plan. She sent a message, 1 Kings 21.10, said, uh, Set two worthless men opposite him and let him bring a charge against him. Let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God the king, and then take them out and stone them to death. They just got enough people together to make up a false accusation so this man could be killed and King Ahab could take the land. Being a false witness, being somebody who says false things can be a matter of life and death. And not just in those cases, but in all of our relationships. It's an important part of our society that we have to be a people. Uh, if, our, if we don't have truth, if we don't have something that, that we can stand on, then our society is going to crumble. We've got to stand on the truth. There's so many different examples beyond just the, the courtroom uh, of ways we can harm our neighbor through hate, through lies. There can be untrue things that, that drag down somebody's reputation or hurt them instead of building them up. Words of truth are, are ways we can strengthen, we can encourage, we can build up. Lies tear down, they defame, they bring down. Even if somebody else, sometimes we think, I'll make myself look better. But it's at the cost of somebody else when we lie against them. What, what are some different, I can think of a whole bunch of different ways. There's a lot of different ways. Sometimes we just, we just flat out lie, right? Like if the answer is yes and we say no, that's just a straightforward lie. You know, did you drive the car that was speeding 60 miles, 66 miles an hour over what it was supposed to? The judge said, no, it's just a straightforward lie. We, did you, were you unfaithful to your wife? Were you, did you take the money? Did you direct questions? And we just give a direct no to. If you've ever been there, ever tried that, you know that many times, like that judge a minute ago in Australia, one lie leads to another. You just kind of snowball. It's really hard to tell one lie and only tell one lie. Usually one lie leads to another lie, leads to another lie, just over and over again covering our lives. There was a, a famous quote I, I thought Mark Twain said, but I was like, I got to Google it to find out if he said it because I can't lie to you and tell you that Mark Twain said it and didn't say it. So Google tells me he probably didn't say this. So I'm not giving credit to Mark Twain, but it is a helpful saying that I don't know where it came from. But he said, so somebody said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. <laughs> I think that stands, stands to reason. Many times we don't like the truth, so we tell lies, and another lie, and another lie, and another lie. Another, another way we may lie is slandering. Not just a general lie, but a lie that directly cuts at somebody else. Deliberately hurting somebody else's name or reputation with a lie. Uh, that's called out uh, multiple times in the Bible. Leviticus 19.16, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. 
speaking false info, no matter how interesting it is, no matter how juicy it is, or how much it might draw a crowd, or get more likes online, or, or might help your political position, or it might help you in business, or help you in a certain relationship, if you're tearing somebody down, if you're using false information to tear somebody down, you're lying, you're slandering, and you're not following God's command. The flip side of, of using negative information against somebody is, is using positive, using flattery. Flattery can be a form of lying. If we tell, avoid some, telling somebody the truth and only tell them the positive things they want to hear that are untrue, it's still a lie. Sometimes we can be unwilling to be honest with people when it's uncomfortable, when, it, when, it's, not, when it's not what we know they want to hear. We should say truth with love. We should be careful. We should be cautious. We should be invited in to speak truth to people. But when we give people flattery, we are not loving them. We are allowing them to continue in sin. Over and over, Proverbs addresses Proverbs 24, 26. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Perfuse are the kisses of an enemy. Somebody who really loves you will tell you something that hurts because they want what's best for you. They want you to grow. They want you to, to change for the sake of good. And they want to do so out of love, not to hurt you, but to see your good. Uh, a writer from Desiring God named David Hubbard said, At its most serious, flattery refuses to confront us in our sin and merely waves politely as we wander off a cliff. That's what flattery does. It just lets you continue in the thing that's leading to destruction. That's not what we want to be. We want to be people that tell the truth because it's loving. Sometimes our, our lies are not flat-out lies. They're just a, a twist or a slant on the truth. Spin is something we attribute to, to media, but all of us know how to spin something because that was one of the very first things that ever happened. Satan himself in the garden, he twisted the truth. He took something God said and just twisted it just a little bit. Genesis 3.1, he says, the serpent says to Adam and Eve, did God actually say? He questions it and just twists it just a little bit. There's a nugget of truth there, but not quite right. So that makes it a lie. How many times do we take something out of context? We pull a quote from somebody. We don't give the full information. We give part of it, a, a, a snippet of the video or a snippet of what somebody said, and we, we give our spin to it so that it goes to advance our cause and what we want to be the truth. It's the opposite of the way God calls us to speak. Proverbs 8, 9 and 10, uh, 7 and 9 says, For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. Nothing is twisted or crooked in them. They are straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. We want to be people of the truth who speak straight, not crooked, not slanted, not twisted. Embellishing can be a form of telling a lie. Was the fish really that big? You know, eh, somewhere closer to here, right? And we do that with all kinds of things. Preachers are the worst at asking how many people attend your church. If you ask a pastor that, just subtract 15% and you're probably uh, about right. I hope I'm kidding. I hope that's a joke. I hope that's a joke. I hope that's not really the case. Uh, when it's to our advantage, we'll exaggerate. We'll, we'll misuse numbers. We'll misuse something that's, you know, it was close, but we kind of round it up or down, whatever's to our, to our advantage. What about gossip? That's another way of like a slant or half-truth. Usually gossip is based on some partial truth, but it's got some kind of little nugget to it that makes it a little bit untrue, a little bit hurtful, a little more than untrue. 
So when we share something, we, we should be asking the question, is this true? Before I, before I pass something along I heard, before I, before I share something I know that, or that somebody said, I should ask, is this true? Is this true? Before I say it, I want to know, is this true? And honestly, if we're taking the, the, the heart of the ninth command, so we're saying that telling the truth is how we love our neighbor with our words, then, then there's probably even a better question than ask, or, or, or a more extensive question than just, is it true? Before we share something, should we, we should say, is this helpful? Is this helpful? Because I think to the heart of the ninth command, we could break the heart of it by sharing something that's true but hurtful. It doesn't love somebody. You can share true things that are just painful, hurtful to people and not love them well. Another way I think you could still be in this same problem, the same thing, is sitting silently when you should speak up. When somebody else is gossiping and saying something untrue or just hurtful. If we just sit idly by all the time, then we're participating in the sin. We're allowing the lie to continue, even if we just say, well, I didn't say it. If we're sitting silently by as somebody gossips or slanders. Same way, if we, if we don't hold somebody accountable, somebody's invited us, said, please, please tell me when I mess up. So please tell me when I'm, when I'm not doing something I should be. And we notice it and say nothing. We're lying to them. We're not telling them the truth. We're not helping them. We're not loving them where we had the opportunity to do so. Telling the truth is how we love our neighbor with our words. So if that's the case, why do we not do it? If we know love is good, truth is good, but why not? Why? So then why do, we, why do we ever lie? I mean, how hard could it be? I've painted it to be very black and white. How hard could it be? Well, so many times there's, there's a lot of motives that are going on in our lives, aren't there? A lot of things, parts of the situation. Oftentimes, when, to tell somebody the truth, it's, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. So we have to check, check our motives. Who's, who's priority? Who's, who's number one on our priority list? Are we focused on our interest or our neighbors? Are we doing what's best for us or for those around us? If we are seeking our interest above the interest of our neighbor, that's not love, it's selfishness. It's pride. It's being self-focused. If our question is not what's the most loving thing, but what's the easiest or the most fun or what, what's, you know, what's the, the, least, the path of least resistance, well, then that's not love. It's just doing what's best for us. Slander or gossip or something like that is, is a, can be a way of saying, uh, they look bad, it makes me look better. There's the motive. There's the motive is, is I get something from this. It's better for me to pass this along. Same way with flattery. I don't want to ruffle their feathers. I don't want to make something uncomfortable. I, I don't want to do something that, that you know, causes, causes a, a struggle, even if that struggle would ultimately for the long run be better. But we don't want to go through the, the uncomfortable thing. We're just looking out for our comfort. We're putting ourselves first. We're not loving our neighbor above ourselves. Truth is what's best for us, best for our neighbor. It's true love, not just avoiding what's uncomfortable. I, I wonder if you can think about, as I've, even as I've given kind of a, some examples, some areas of your life where this may come up, places where you may be tempted to, to sin, certain situations, certain uh, situations in your life where this temptation may arise for you to uh, just, you know, twist the truth or just a little bit. None of us, you know, plan to be liars, but some of us, when we get in a certain situation, we may be tempted to sin. What does it look like? What are those situations in your life? When I, when I was in seminary, one of my preaching classes, uh, one of our assignments was we had to, everybody got a different uh, situation, a different hypothetical circumstance where we had to present the gospel. And so uh, as different people had situations, things like, you know, speaking to law enforcement or speaking to a group of students, I think mine was high school students, 
And uh, the professor said, hey, you know, you've got whatever, how many minutes, five minutes, something. And uh, you're going to present in the classroom. And you're welcome to use the screen here. But he warned us. He said, hey, the, the lighting in this room is weird. It's funny. And so whatever, it may look good on your computer screen, but make sure you come and test it in this room because over and over again, people use presentations in this room and they don't work because you can't see them because the lighting's terrible. And everybody said, okay, yes, sir, we understand that. So I go to give my presentation and because uh, he, he said, you can come in that room. Like you could come in, you could plug in your computer, test it, make sure it works. You just got to do it before that day. So I go to give my presentation. I had not tested my, my, the, my visual part. I plug in my computer and sure enough, the colors I had picked, you couldn't see it at all. I was like, oh man, you know. So I gave my presentation, it was fine, but you know, in the feedback, he said, yep, sure enough, you were one of the ones that your colors didn't work. Did you come test it? And I flat lied. I just lied. I said, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said, yeah, you know, I came and tested it, but I, I tweaked the colors just a little bit to, to flip whatever, and uh, it was totally not true. In preaching class, at seminary, I just told a flat lie. And I just, I just, it just came out. It just came out. Why would I do that? You know why? Because my reputation was on the line. Is this a good student? Is this somebody who's diligent, who listens? I don't want to be somebody who's lazy or just doesn't put in the effort. I'm a good student. I work hard at this. My reputation was on the line. And so I lied to cover myself. It was a little lie in the sense that nobody got hurt or whatever, but it hurt me and it hurt my class. And hurting you because now you think your, your preacher is a liar. And so, you know. Yeah. Anytime our reputation's on the line, if our reputation's on the line and it's about who's going to be honest, or if, if, I, if I say the truth, it's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt my reputation. There's a place, there's an area we're tempted to sin. If the truth is going to hurt me, we may be tempted to lie. We may embellish. We may make something better than it was, make something worse than it was if it's about, if my reputation's on the line. When it costs you your reputation, are you willing to tell the truth? I think another area we may be tempted is if, if we don't think very highly of somebody, maybe it's a public figure or maybe it's a coworker, or maybe it's somebody who's a, a real jerk and they just, you know, they're mean and you think, well, they deserve this. We're willing to lie. What if you've been hurt by somebody, if they've directly hurt you, you're willing to throw back at them something that's a lie to bring them down. Anytime there's something to be gained by lying, if you can make a little more, more excuse me, a little bit more money, a financial gain, material gain, Gain status, gain reputation is something that you can get if you don't quite tell the truth or the whole truth and nothing but the truth. If you can gain something, there's a temptation to not tell the truth. Or anytime it's going to cost you something, not just gain, but if it's going to cost you something like your reputation or money or, or more work. If it's going to be more work to tell the truth and to have to deal with the consequences that come from that, that's a temptation to lie. There's a, anytime there's an opportunity for us to, to gain something or lose something, we should be careful to make sure we're talking, to, speaking the truth. I, I think one of the biggest temptations, one of the places we are most tempted to lie, I think is maybe even as Christians, is to our kids, are we not? Many times with our kids, we think, ah, you know what, they're young, they don't understand, that they, they, you know, I, they're not old enough to get this yet, and so it's just easier sometimes, we think, to tell them a lie. We think, hey, when they're older, they'll understand this. I'm just going to use a lie because it's, it's faster. But children are people too. <laughs> they are created in God's image. They're image bearers. And so we should treat them with respect and honesty, just like we do everybody else. If something's not age appropriate, just say that instead of making up a lie. Just say, sorry, darling. You know, like, you're not quite old enough to understand this. When you get older, we'll explain that. But here's a short version of a way I can explain it to you. And that's okay. Kids will learn to respect us for that. 
probably more often than not, they're actually old enough to understand what you're going through more than we anticipate. We watched Micah, you know, it's so funny, the kids' things, the things that kids get upset about, but my parents' dog died, who like, my, who Micah sees like twice a year. Micah, this dog doesn't even like kids, like he's not friendly. But when we told him about it, <clears throat> he wasn't happy about it. Like Micah for, you know, a few days would just kind of randomly cry. And so we could have just hidden that from him or said that he got taken to the farm, whatever, you know, they make up uh, about, about pets. But it led to good conversations. And we got to talk to him about life and death and talk about people when we die, not dogs, but people when we die, we, if we believe in Jesus, we don't die. We get to be with heaven, be with Christ in heaven. So it's a good opportunity. By telling the truth, good things happen. Yeah, I think one blind spot, if I can be honest, Amber warned me on this one, but I'm just, I think this is true and worth, worth pointing out. One blind spot for Christians, is, for Christian parents, is that holidays like Easter and Christmas, we have to face a choice uh, in our culture. We do, don't we? Are, are we going to keep a lie going in our culture about any other story that's going on, or are we going to decide to focus on the truth and only speak true words to our kids? We have some really amazing stories to tell. Stories of eternal significance. And they're dramatic and they're fascinating. They're magical. They're inspirational. They are compelling and they are life-changing. I, I want to be a parent as my kids grow up. Who my, my kids can say, they, he told me the truth. He didn't lie. He, he may have messed up. He was a sinner. I want, they'll see my sin. That, there's no hiding that. But as best as his, to his ability, he spoke the truth. And so I just, I just can't stomach lying. I just can't, I can't stomach lying to my kids. The stories we have to tell, Easter Sunday morning, Christmas morning, we are much better stories to tell when they're right out of the Bible. Another temptation, I think, are, are controversial political issues in the world. There are all kinds of, you know, whether it's COVID or politics or race or whatever, when, when the, the hot button issues get raised, that's a place I think we are tempted to lie. There, there is so much, you know, people have all kinds of opinions about media and, oh, you don't watch mainstream media, only watch this news outlet or only watch whatever. And there's so many opinions that there, there can be so much temptation to lie and go along with lies. We said a minute ago that anytime there's something to be gained by lying, people will do it. You know what's gain, to be gained by lying by every source of media is money. There's a lot of money that can be gained if they can just keep you angry. You know, that's the, one of the main goals of all the different kinds of things. If they can keep you angry, then they can keep your attention and hold your attention and you'll get, they'll get more money from all the people, all the advertisers. So we got to be careful. What are you watching? What are you taking in? What are you going along with? Are you going along with things that are lies, or are you going along trying to seek out the truth? There's so many ways, people that are experts, and some, we, we just have to be humble enough to say, I don't know everything, and speak to the level of certainty that we know. Our character is at stake. At stake. Are we going to be people who tell the truth? And that's so often the truth. Online, I've basically given up on online being online at all because I just, I just can't take it. I just can't take it. But it's just, it's just so many things that are not true. And if you're, if you're sharing things that are untrue, your, your character is at stake. Your character is at stake. Are you going to be people of the truth? Who are you following? Who are you seeking after? Are you seeking after lies? Or are you seeking after truth? And here's, here's what's really important about that. You know who the author of lies is? You know who the leader of the train is on lies? You know who the head coach is? The devil himself. The devil himself. Satan is the father of lies. God is the author of truth. Satan's the father of lies. God is the author of truth. Genesis 3, I mentioned, is the very first lie. And John, uh, Jesus in John chapter 8 calls him out. 
He's talking to the Pharisees who say they're, they're children of Abraham. And he corrects them. He says, no, 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 you're fa- you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. The father of lies is the devil. When we follow that path and we seek that path and we continue in a path of lies, we are following the devil himself. It's not where we want to be. The devil is creative. He's very creative about lies. I gave you a bunch of different ways we lie. But he also does something interesting. Do you know how many different, even now, I started looking back through my own notes, how many different words we use for lying? We, we don't want to use the word lie, so we use all these euphemisms, kind of creative workarounds. I started looking at that. I found a great one. Winston Churchill, who was apparently, you know, a good guy. Like he did a lot of good things. A famous British prime minister during World War II. Early on, 1906, he was in his, early in his political career, he was uh, elected to an office and the House of Commons was interviewing him about something he said on the campaign trail that was not quite true, apparently. And he needed to back up a little bit. And so what he said, he said something like that he wouldn't say it exactly that way again because he didn't want to risk terminological inexactitude. Terminological inexactitude. So I didn't, I didn't lie, I just used a terminological inexactitude. That's amazing. That's amazing. Fib, misleading, misinformation, disinformation, fake news, tell a tale, pull a fast one, pull the wool over your eyes, get away with it, exaggerate, white lie. We can find all kinds of ways to just not, not say I'm a liar <laughs> or it was a lie. We got to come all kinds of creative ways. But they're still lies. They're still lies. No matter what we say about it, they are lies and they're opposite of the character of God. They're following the father, the devil. God's the opposite. Titus 1-2, God who never lies. 1 Samuel 5-19, the Lord will not lie or have regret, for he is a, not a man that he should have regret. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has, he has said it, will he not do it? He has spoken it, will he not fulfill it? Just like lies are the father of, of the father of the devil, the truth is from God. He is always the truth. In the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh and he is the only, he is the truth. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus embodies truth itself. When we follow after truth, we are following after the character of God and His very nature. That is what He is. He is a God of truth. Leviticus 19, 11 says, You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another, you shall not swear falsely by my, you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. When we speak false things. We are profaning God's name. And Brad connected this for me earlier this week. The third command was about honoring God's name. The ninth command is about honoring and loving other people's name. When we don't speak the truth, we're defaming people and we're defaming God himself. God is God. People are made in his image. And so when we defame people, we don't speak the truth. We are going against God's very nature. One of the biggest challenges, I think, for us when we think about being people of the truth, figuring out who we're going to trust, what we're going to do, is that the, the lie, the temptation to lie, is at the very core of who we are. That's what the Bible tells us. Jeremiah 19, 17, 9, the heart is deceitful. You know what deceit is? It's a lie. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. 
who can understand it. Lies is not just a cultural problem, it is a heart problem. We have a heart problem. We need a, a heart transplant if we're going to be people of the truth. If we, uh, so many times that the culture's phrasing of like, you know, trust your gut, go with your heart. Biblically, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> Don't do that. No, your heart is deceitful. It's deceptive. Don't follow your heart. Follow God. Follow God. How do you, what do you do with a heart problem? How do you get a, how do you get a heart fix? You need, you need a transplant. Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone, which is deceitful, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You know the only way that's possible? You know the only way you can get a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that's truth, a heart that's good, a heart that's not full of deceit? is by the grace of God. By the grace of God of what He accomplished through His Son. Do you know why Jesus was crucified? Because enough witnesses got together and told lies about Him. And He died because of their lies. He died for liars at the, the hand of liars so that we who are liars could come to know the greatest truth, namely God Himself. The only way we can have life, the only way we can have a spirit of life, a, a heart of truth, is by God giving us a new self, a new person, new life in Him. Ephesians 4.25, speaking of this new way, this new way of living where everything has changed, a new total transformation of life. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We have love for one another. And the way we show that is by speaking the truth. One of the main reasons we should not bear false witness against our neighbor is that we have a much greater witness to have. We have a very important witness, and, it, and if we live our lives full of false witness, we'll, we'll forfeit our opportunity to be part of a greater witness. And that greater witness is this. We should be a truthful witness so you can be Jesus' witness. Be a truthful witness so you can be Jesus' witness. The ninth command says you should not bear false witness. And Jesus told His disciples in Acts 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, Jesus says. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you have a reputation for not speaking the truth, or you may, you may, you may slant it, right? Ah, he just embellishes a little bit. Or he just kind of exaggerates. Or, or you know, he, he kind of words things his own way sometimes. You know what people are not going to do? They're not going to trust you when you try to share the greatest truth of all with them. The greatest truth of all is about what Christ has accomplished on the cross and His salvation for sinners that's available only by grace through faith. That is an enormous truth that you and I need and our world desperately needs. That is the greatest truth you could speak from your mouth. But if your mouth and your fingers are all full of lies, nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to listen to the truth. If we're filling our minds and our online and filling people's ears, with things that are not true. Truthful witness make the truthful witnesses make the best witnesses for the gospel truth. Lying is so often far more harmful than we understand. It feels like a white lie, a small lie, things that don't really hurt anything, but it's deadly. It's deadly. We when we lie, we hurt people because we're hating them instead of loving them. So this week take notice. Where where are the situations? What are the circumstances? where you're tempted to lie, your reputation's on the line, or, or there's something that's going to cost you something. You're going to have to not gain something if you tell the truth. 
Where are you tempted? And what would it look like for you to tell the truth? To love your neighbor enough to tell the truth. Because if you're willing to tell the truth there, you're going to gain the opportunity to share the greatest truth imaginable. That Christ died for sinners. And he brought liars and murderers and adulterers to heaven by grace. That's the truth worth sharing. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for your word. And I thank you that you love us though we are sinners. Father, we confess today so many ways that we do not hold to the truth. So many ways that we hold on to lies and send out lies and share lies. God, we may try to paint over it, but whew, our hearts are deceitful. And we follow after our, that and after the things of this world so, so much more often than we follow after your truth. So God, I pray that we would be people of the truth so that we could be people about your truth, the gospel. That we could be people who bear witness to what you have done for us. And we can spread that near and far for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of your glory. I pray now as we respond to you in worship, God, that you would hear our words, words of truth, words of hope, words of peace, words of life, and they would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.